Well, I know what you're thinking right now. I know many of you skip lunch all week long, and now you're looking at your watch or looking at your phone, and you're like, Pastor Dave, it's already 12 p.m. What time am I going to get, it, get to eat lunch today? Well, I think by 2 p.m. you should be okay. No promises other than that. No, we won't take as much time today, but we do want to look at this glorious text. Redeemer Church, there will be trials in life. Moving out of a church facility, there will be health challenges, marital strife, unemployment, growing debt, school struggles and loneliness. Anxieties will come. I'm amazed that just a couple days before we learned of the struggles with the Marriott. Do you remember what I preached on? So two weeks ago, you know, do not be anxious. You know, we talked about anxiety as a church. God knew what we needed. I think God wanted me to practice what I preach. Let me just tell you a little secret about preachers. It's far easier to preach than to practice what you preach. And I think God wanted me, God wanted all of us to practice what was preached, to practice what we've heard. God wants our entire church to walk by faith. There will be trials. There will also be temptations, greed, lust, pride, despair, discouragement. There will also be triumphs in life, success, joy, memorable moments, peace. In all things, trials, temptations, and triumphs. Church, Jesus is telling us in all those things, he's telling us today to pray with persistence, to pray with confidence, and to pray with expectance. That's our brief outline today. Pray with persistence, confidence, and expectance. That's what we see in our text. So first, verse seven, Jesus tells us to pray with persistence. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Three verbs, ask, seek, knock. These words are ascending in intensity. Ask is making a request of a conscious need. Seek involves an action, and knock is even more. It's asking plus seeking plus persisting and persevering and continuing on. You knock when you face a closed door. This is a picture of someone persisting even when a door is closed in their face. When these three verbs together pack a dynamic punch when they're used one after another after another. Now, there are two ways Jesus could have uttered these commands. Here's just a, a brief grammar lesson. This is free of charge to you today. One way Jesus could have uttered these commands is in the aorist tense. That denotes a one-time action. Pray, seek, find, do it, do it now. You might say to your child at the dinner table, eat your chicken. Eat your chicken on your plate before you leave the table. That's in the aorist tense. It refers to one action at one time. Now, another way Jesus could utter a command is in the present imperative, and that's what Jesus is doing here. The present imperative, it, it denotes an ongoing action. So it would be like telling your child, 
Now, don't forget, son or daughter, don't forget to always eat chicken. You want to always eat your meat because it'll help you grow into a strong man or a strong woman. That's in the present imperative. It's something that should be done repeatedly. And all these verbs here that Jesus gives us are in the present imperative. He's saying, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Don't stop. It's not a one-time event. It's descriptive of our lives. We should be a praying people. We keep praying even when we don't get an answer. Why? Well, verse 8. Verse 8 continues the thought for or because everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened. And the word for introduces the reason. We pray because we'll receive. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock, it'll be opened. Those are basically the same words as verse 7. The repetition emphasizes the certainty that our prayers will achieve something. God will answer our prayers in one way or another. Prayer is not meaningless. It doesn't just change us. Sure, it changes us. It changes our hearts. It conforms us to him. But it doesn't just change us. No, God is in control. But in his sovereignty, he has planned it. He has chosen to move through the prayers of his people. God moves through our prayers. And so, Redeemer Church, are you praying to our Heavenly Father? Are you asking, seeking, knocking, not just one time, but are you persisting in your prayers? Jesus is saying, keep asking, don't lose heart. Ask God to bless our church as we move locations. Ask him to raise up more elders and staff for the church. Ask him for more people to come to faith in our church. Ask him for our children to come to faith and grow in grace. Ask for, for physical healing. You're suffering, keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Ask for spiritual growth. Ask for God to give you humility and generosity. Ask for him to give you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Ask him to work in your heart and do these things. Ask him for the ability to forgive others. Oh, don't give up. I mean, you see, if these are in the present imperative, an imperative is, is a command. This isn't a suggestion from God. This isn't a suggestion from Jesus or, or just an invitation. It's actually a command. I mean, we need to feel the force of it. Jesus is actually commanding us to go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. This is what the people of God are to do. We're not annoying him. We're not impositioning him. He's commanding us to pray. So if you're struggling with purity, keep on asking God to deliver you. You went to the sexual brokenness seminar. You feel broken. Well, don't live in that condemnation. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. There's relational tension in your family. Ask. There's anxiety over the future. Seek. There's uncertainty over even tomorrow. Knock. Ask, seek, knock, pray with persistence. In Luke chapter 11, there's a story of a man without food. It's in the middle of the night. He has a guest and he can't feed his guest. It's real shameful, but he does whatever he can to feed his guest. He goes to his neighbor, knocks on his neighbor's door, but his neighbor says, ah, my kids are, are already in bed. 
The door is locked. It's late. But the, but the man keeps persisting. He keeps knocking. And eventually the neighbor gives food to the man. And then in that same place there in Luke chapter 11, in the same context, right after sharing that story, Jesus reiterates this verse from the Sermon on the Mount. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, pray continuously. Now, we need to be careful here. These words don't say God will always give us every single thing we ask for. Well, we know that's true for many reasons. One, we know that's true because we prayed prayers that God hasn't answered in the way we prayed, right? All of us have unanswered prayers, prayers that God hasn't signed a yes under. The Bible tells us in places like 1 John 5 that our prayers must be in accordance with God's will. So this isn't here a proof text that means if we pray with persistence, we'll automatically get whatever we ask for, even if it's not in accordance with his will. This is not a name it and claim it theology. God is not some celestial slot machine, as he's been called. He's not a genie in the bottle giving Aladdin three wishes to do whatever he wants. And we don't control God. It's not a blanket promise for God to do whatever we want. Now, if we could actually pray and have everything we prayed for come true, well, this would certainly make us divine. It would make us God, for only God controls all things. If this was true, I mean, think about this just for a minute. If it was true that everything you prayed for, you received, well, that would be incredibly dangerous. A Bible teacher, Alec Mottier, once said that if this was the case, he would never pray again. If he could get anything he wanted, now listen to this, I think it's incredibly profound what he says. He says, if whatever I asked from God, I got from God, I would never pray because I would not have sufficient confidence in my own wisdom to ask God for anything. If you think about that, I bet you would agree. We don't know what's best. If we got everything we prayed for, we'd be in trouble. We can't bear that burden. If we get everything we ask, we're putting ourselves in place of God. And some of what we get might be quite harmful to us. And we should be thankful for unanswered prayers in our lives. God knows better than we do. And then we might think prayer is unproductive because there's times when he fails to ask. This happened to me this last week. So the last 10 days or so, we've been looking for a facility. Pastor Scott gave us the update earlier. Well, over the past several months, maybe even the past year, I've been praying specifically for one facility for us. Maybe I've been praying for more, but one facility in particular, I've been praying over and over again. I've gone by that facility a number of times, just stood outside the facility praying for God to allow us the privilege of meeting there. We checked in on it multiple times this week. One of our members persisted in talking to the people there at the hotel, and they said no. We kept knocking, 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 no, no. And the final answer was, was no. It was discouraging to me. I'd been praying for a long time. I'd been asking God for it. I was sad God didn't provide it. 
And yet now as I even look back, as I think about it, I'm hopeful that the place we'll meet next week and even beyond is even better than that place. Because God knows better than I do. God knows better than we do. I'm sure there have been times when you've prayed for certain things that God didn't answer and you were discouraged. Maybe you're so disheartened you just stopped praying for a while. You've prayed and nothing, just silence. Or maybe you get the big no. It's obvious God's not answering. But our Father knows what's good gifts or wise for our lives. Just like a dad might refrain from giving his children good things, our Heavenly Father knows better than we do. Here's one example from the realm of parenting. As a dad, you might choose to refrain from giving certain things to your kids or teenagers. One example might be a phone, a mobile phone. You as a father might choose to refrain from giving your teenager a mobile phone They ask, they ask, they ask. They say many of their friends have phones, but you withhold and you tell them you're withholding because you know that a mobile phone could be dangerous to them. They don't know that you're protecting them from gossip, hurt feelings, bullying, wasting time, stress, pornography, and more. They don't see that. For them, it feels like it's the end of the world. Mom and dad won't give me a phone, but you know better. You know better. You know what's best for your child. Now, friend, I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what prayers God isn't answering in your life. Maybe he's protecting you from something. Maybe he's growing your faith. He gives only good gifts. So perhaps what you're asking for isn't good for you right now, even if it's a good thing. There are times God asks us to wait. There could be many reasons for him to get the glory, for you to grow in dependence, for others to be encouraged by your perseverance, for non-believers to see Christ in you, in your response, for God to provide something even better than you're asking. I've noticed that in my life so many times that I'm praying for something and then God gives something even greater than I could have imagined at the time. Maybe God's protecting you from getting something that's unhelpful. There's so many reasons God doesn't answer prayers. But you see in this text an invitation from Jesus. He says, keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Why? Well, we pray with persistence because we can be confident in our prayers. We pray with persistence and we pray with confidence. That's the second thing we see in our text, verses 9 and 10. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Now, this would be a terrible practical joke. So imagine for a minute, you can picture the scene. The child's there at the school cafeteria, opens up his or her lunchbox that mom or dad had prepared for them and, and opens it up and takes out what looks like a piece of bread or a sandwich and takes a bite out of the sandwich only to chip their tooth because it's a stone. Now, in those days, bread would be like flat cakes and would resemble the shape of some of the smooth round stones around. They were easily mistaken for one another. Now, what kind of parent would make that cruel switch? Well, moms and dads, we do whatever we can to feed our kids. 
When our kids are hungry, we do whatever we can to make sure they're fed. And what kind of parent would give their child a snake instead of fish? Now, a stone is gross, but a snake could be lethal. It could be a poisonous snake or a poisonous eel. But we can pray with confidence that our Heavenly Father won't give us anything that will hurt us. He won't answer prayers that would cripple us. He only gives good things, and so we keep on praying. We keep honestly praying that what's on our hearts, we pray what's on our hearts openly to God, knowing that God will take care of us, knowing that God won't answer things that hurt us, and so we can be confident to bring whatever's on our hearts to Him. We pray with perseverance, we pray with confidence, and then finally, thirdly, we pray with expectance. We pray with expectance, verse 11. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now, if we as sinners know how to give good gifts, if we love our children, how much more will our heavenly Father provide for us and love us? Now, we know this is true as Christians. We know this is true because he saved us. We know he's given us salvation. Our heavenly father didn't leave us in our rebellion. We had turned our backs from God. We had walked the other direction away from God. And yet he came to us. He pursued us. He grabbed us. He dragged us to himself. He took us from death, gave us everlasting life. He sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross, facing the full wrath of God, facing the full punishment for our sins. If God so loved us in doing that and saving us, why would he hold back now? If Jesus died for us, why would he hold back good gifts? If God has reconciled us to him in spite of our sin, why would he hold back good gifts from us? If God has been faithful in the past to save us and he's faithful in the present to sustain us, we know that he will be faithful in the future to be with us. We know it. Oh, Christian, Jesus died for you. He went to the cross for you. He faced God's wrath for you and he raised from the dead, proving that all that he did was true, proving that the sacrifice was good and complete. Our Heavenly Father is sovereign and He is good. He's been with us. He will be with us. He's loved us. He loves us. And He will love us always. And so, this is a command for us to go to Him, to keep going to Him, to go to Him by faith. Now, kids, I know we have many of our kids in here today. I know we have some uh, young ones in the overflow room, but I know we have six, seven, eight, nine-year-olds, maybe some of our other younger kids of course, Jumpstart is, is in here. So I know we have many children. I haven't forgot about you. Here's a question I have for you. Is if any of you heard of the movie Finding Nemo? Some of you, if you can raise your hand high. Some of you, some of you kids, if you guys know Finding Nemo, some of you aren't raising very high, but that's okay. Okay, you know Finding Nemo. Okay, in this movie, there's a blue fish named Dory. You've seen Dory. She's kind of funny. I think she got her own movie. That's pretty good. That means you're a good actor. So in this movie, Dory has a philosophy. She says, when life gets you down, you know what you got to do. And do any of you know what she says? When life gets you down, what do you have to do? Now she says, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. She sings it or says it a little cuter than I can right now. But you get the idea. 
Now, kids, you remember that from the movie? Well, Christian, here's what Jesus is telling us today in our text. He's telling us no matter what you face in life, just keep praying, just keep praying, just keep praying, praying, praying. This is what Jesus is saying to us. It's an invitation, but it's also a command. We pray because he gives good gifts to his children. And so we keep praying. We don't stop. We pray with persistence, not giving up. We pray with confidence, knowing he gives good gifts. We pray with expectance, just waiting. Waiting, knowing he hears us and knowing he provides for us. God will honor our prayers. He delights when his children talk to him. He delights in our fellowship. Well, in just a minute, we're going to sing. It'll be our last two songs that we sing here um, at the Marriott. Now, 15 months ago, when we thought it was our last service here, we thought we were moving maybe to Jebel Alley or who knows where, we ended the final service here with the song, All Glory Be to Christ. Now, I planned that intentionally. I plan for that to be the final song in this room because indeed all glory goes to Christ our King. His rule and reign will always be seen. His will be done. His kingdom come. And so we sang that song. I was quite emotional there on the front row as we sang, thinking this was it. And of course, God provided another 15 months here. Now, this time around, the services for all of May were planned long before we heard the news about the Marriott. And so I was looking back at what we had planned, and out of all the songs we could sing in the world, of all the songs we could have chosen to sing on May 10th, I looked at the order of service, and there it was, the last song, All Glory Be to Christ. Now, we didn't plan it that way, but God did. It'll indeed be the last song we sing here. First, by faith, very applicable, obviously, and then all glory be to Christ. And so today, Redeemer Church, let's sing to God. Let's sing to each other, remembering that indeed all glory goes to Christ. So please stand with me as we pray, and then Vaughn will lead us in these final two songs. Let's pray. Oh, Father, would our church walk by faith and not by sight? We know that you know what the future holds for us because you've planned it. And so we trust you. Would we press on by faith in the days ahead and guide us in this next season of life and ministry as a church? Continue to use us in mission as we pursue Christ in faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.